Truly what a great year 2005 was to Orangewood. In many years, uh, a monumental year for us, what God has done in and through our body in 2005. And I pray that in 2006, God's kingdom will be advanced even further. And He chooses to use us. He chooses to use Orangewood. He chooses to use you and me to advance His kingdom. And so that we can shine brightly for His glory, for His Son's name, for His fame, for our neighbors until Christ comes again. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, and Paul being a pastor and a preacher who loved God's people, he says this, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our very own lives, because you have become dear to us. I know that you're dear to me and what an incredible privilege it is to be able to call you my flock. And I am well pleased to share with you not just the gospel, what a privilege that is, but my very life. So all I have to say is I got a good story to tell you, all right? (laughs) Katie and I took Jessie to celebrate her 16th birthday to New York City this past week. And as we were flying up to New York on Wednesday, uh, sitting in 9A, B, and C, and I'm in my aisle seat, I noticed that two rows in front of me, there was a lady, probably in her mid-50s, a Latino lady, uh, English clearly not her her first language, mostly Spanish. And as we took off, she she, uh, uh, stood up once the uh, the fastened seatbelt sign went off, and she tried to use the restroom, which happened to be right in front of her. And I watched her as she struggled with the door. She was pushing on the door, pushing on the door, and kind of looking around. You know how people look around like they're embarrassed to be there and doing that thing that they're doing that they can't get done successfully, and they kind of want someone to help them, but they're too embarrassed to ask. So there she stood, just rattling the door, trying to get inside to go to the bathroom. Well, you know, I preach a lot about loving your neighbor and helping one another out, so... With great pride, I unbuckled my belt, strode from nine up to where she was, and not only did I have a privilege of trying to open the door for her, I could practice my Spanish, which, of course, I don't know, and I've never studied, but it'd be a great opportunity to start trying. So, no person aquí, no person aquí, no, no, and it said occupied, but I'm trying to communicate with her, making sure that there's no person there. She's no one there. So I, too, start pushing a little bit on the door. You know my motto. If it doesn't fit, force it. (laughs) Shook a little harder. Still to no avail. So I step back, being the handyman that I am, and I notice there's a pin up here and there's a pin down here. It must have gotten locked on the inside. So I reach up, and I unlock the latch up here. Click. And I reach down and unlatch the uh, latch down there. Click. And say to her, por favor, amiga. (laughs) Walk back to my seat. I mean, everybody's looking at me. They knew that was pretty heroic of me to stand up and open the door. You know, I'm just kind of basking in it, just feeling really good about the fact I've done my good deed, even on an airplane. I'm going to show the love of Christ to others. She pushes on the door as it collapses inside the entire bathroom. (laughs) I took it off the hinges. The door fell off. 
And now she's not only not able to use it, but the door, she's trying to get a hold the door up as it's falling into the bathroom. A lady comes back from first class, not happy whatsoever, and informs me, informs her, I've been serving food. And she grabs the door, holds it in the hallway, and to the people like, you know, in, in the rest of the, not first class, and points to a, a flight attendant, come fix the door. About 20 minutes later, there they are, working on the door as I'm slinking farther and farther into my seat. I got off the plane. You know, you know how I got off the plane? Thank you for flying with us. Thank you for flying with us. Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you for flying with us. Thank you for flying with us. I broke the door. The good news is, is we got to New York, and New York was great. I love the pulse rate of that city. Just to get there, and I just, I don't know if I feel at home, but, you know, where else can you go to a city like that and feel that pulse and, and to feel uh, all the hustle and ball, uh, bustle of a big city? Where else can you buy three egg, sandwich, egg salad sandwiches for $98 for lunch? <laughs> where else? But we were in Times Square on Friday. I mean, just on Friday, we were going through Times Square, and they were preparing for the New Year's Eve party. As a matter of fact, uh, we were in the cab as we were going and, and catching a train into New Jersey to visit some friends, and I, I had my camera up outside the cab, kind of taking pictures as we're going along. Now, do I look like a tourist? I mean, here I am in a cab taking pictures, but the music was playing, and they were preparing for the greatest party. Yet... The party's over. In the words of Willie Nelson, he writes this about life's parties. He says, turn out the lights. The party's over. All good things must come to an end. Call it tonight. The party's over. And tomorrow starts the same old thing again. The party's over. And tomorrow, will it start just the same old thing again tomorrow? In 2006, it's a new year. It's a new day. I mean, we have all, this is a time to make new resolutions. How many of you all made New Year's resolutions? How many of y'all, no one? I'm the only one who's made them? Come on, how many of y'all made New Year's resolutions? A couple of you. How many of you broke them already? I got some. I mean, it's a new year, so I got a new Bible. I'm really excited. I got a new Bible. Started this morning in my read-through program. I got some new devotional books. I got some uh, goals uh, to lose a couple pounds. I have some New Year's resolutions as well. Hey, some of you last year took the uh, Bible challenge. Did anybody read through the Bible last year? Take it, read through the Bible. Awesome. Did anybody do it for the first time? Awesome. Let's hear it for those folks who read through the Bible. That's, that's phenomenal. I'm proud of you, Steve Arena. I'm proud of y'all for the Teolases for, for going ahead and doing that. That's awesome. But really, in a lot of ways, I guarantee you that 2006 will be a lot like 2005. I guarantee you that in 2006, you're going to pay taxes. I guarantee you in 2006, you're also going to get up and have to go to work. I guarantee you that many of the activities, many of the things that you have done, you are going to have to repeat. Your lawn's going to need mowing. Your house is going to need fixing. Your kids are going to need maintenance and maybe even braces. A lot of the things that you have done, a lot of the tasks in 2005, guess what? They're right around the corner for you in 2006. As a matter of fact, many of us will still be paying off 2005 this year. Just having celebrated Christmas, maybe there's some bills that will be coming and some reminders that there's still more to pay in 2006. What would it be like? What would it be like to start off 2006 completely debt-free? Once and for all, 
Right? If we could leave here today and all of us can say, you know, once and for all, right now, today's the day we are going to be completely debt-free. No more mortgage. And for some of you, this is a reality. And just let me tell you, uh, praise God if this is a reality for your life. But for the majority of Americans, for the majority of the world, we carry a lot of debt. What would it be like? What would it be like if we left here and we said, you know what, there's no more mortgage payment. There's no more car payment. There's no more credit card bills. There's no more student loans. There's no more debt. What's the word that comes to your mind? When I say no more debt, is there any words that come to your mind? Freedom. Freedom. Just to be set free. Truly to have a fresh start in 2006. And that's why we're going to start right here. We're going to start with Jesus. Because there is a way to have a fresh start. There is a way to have our debt being cleared. Not necessarily all of our financial debt. I wish I could offer you that. I don't have big enough hair to do that. But... uh, And the repetitive cycle of life. And some of us feel that rut even today. And the repetitive cycle of life, once and for all, Jesus' sacrifice brings hope to the seemingly endless cycle. I'm going to read a couple of passages of Scripture. Hebrews 7, 26 and 27. uh, Hebrews 10, 10 and Romans 6, 10 through 11. And the whole theme is this. I want you to listen for this. Once and for all. There's finality in something in your life. Aren't you and I longing for something to be able to say, that's it, I don't have to address it anymore? Is there anything in our lives once and for all done? There is one. That's what Jesus has done for us. God's word says this in Hebrews 7, verses 26 and 27. For it, is, it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, and this is Jesus, this is God's ultimate high priest. Holy, truly holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Because this he did once for all. Once for all when he offered up himself. Look at verse uh, 9, verse 28. And so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation. Without reference to sin or without needing to address sin, he's paid it once for all to those who eagerly wait for him. And lastly, Romans 6. Paul says it this way in 6, 10, and 11. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, my brothers and sisters, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but it's alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, here we are in a new year in your presence, singing your praises. And yet in reality, Father, there's a lot of baggage that we bring with us. A reality that may say on the calendar that everything is new and fresh, but God, today again, we need to be renewed in Christ. Oh God, we need to hear and hear clearly the joy and the reality that once and for all, your Son has sacrificed Himself, has paid the payment of sin once and for all. He's put away with it. So that we can live in light of your love and your mercy and grace. 
Father, I ask that Your Spirit come with power. And God, You remind us of this incredible simple truth, but it's incredible profound truth. We need a fresh start again today. Would You give it to us in Christ Jesus? I pray this in His powerful name. Amen. Some of you are carrying around a lot of junk. And some of you have been carrying around a lot of junk for a long time. And having the privilege of knowing you and knowing you for several years and seeing your lives, I've had the privilege of seeing your pain and you've seen mine. And we've seen one another bear burdens of life. And some of you have accumulated a lot of junk throughout the years. As a matter of fact, some of us really, if it's carrying our burdens or carrying our baggages, we probably have more like U-Haul trailers behind us than we do just bags. It reminded me, like every night walking through New York, they would bring down the trash. And although New York is incredibly clean the way it used to be, there were still just big piles of trash that had to get rid of because there was millions of people there. And there they were, mound up, and you had to walk around them, and yet they were purging this trash so they can keep living their lives without so much clutter. And that's what God is calling us to do. He says, purge the trash. Let's get rid of all that burden because some of us have been carrying around more of a burden than we should have. I have three points this morning. And the first is this. The past has been forgiven. If you are in Christ, if you are a new creation in Christ, if you're a child of God, listen, listen. The past has been forgiven. The debt has been paid. The greatest debt that you and I have ever accumulated, and we start off with it, is a debt of sin. And the payment of this sin is our very lives. The greatest debt that we'll ever accumulate, much more uh, than a credit card compounding debt, the greatest debt we have is a sin debt. It's a debt that separates us from a holy God. It's a debt that will cost us our very life. But Christian, rejoice. Listen, God has sent His own Son to be our advocate, to be our Savior, to be our atonement for sin. He sacrificed His own Son. He paid the price. The greatest debt that we ever have owed or ever will owe once and for all. Christian, I know you've heard it, but hear it again for the first time. Once and for all, your debt, my debt, in God's eyes for sin has been paid. We don't have to carry it anymore. We don't have to carry it. Matter of fact, it's wrong to carry it. It's wrong to live our lives with our heads down and realizing all of our past sins and frailties. I love the reality that the great I am, the God who is, who can see us in the present, sees us in the present reality, and the present reality that God sees us is in His Son's righteousness, washed in His Son's blood. I mean, how can God Almighty, the one who knows everything, the one who's so holy, he cannot even look on sin, how can he look at all of our baggage and still love us and still carry on with us? Because God chooses to see us, view us in Christ. Isn't that hallelujah? God chooses to see us today, those of us who are his, as holy, as blameless. God has given to us not just the righteousness of man. Listen, God has given to us His perfect Son's righteousness, the righteousness from God, and He's clothed us with it. And the debt has fully been paid so the God from heaven right now on January 1st, 2006 can look at His people that are still broken and messed up and say, that's my beloved. And I'm crazy about Him because I paid the debt fully. 
There's nothing else to be paid. That's how he sees us. You know, if we can just see ourselves through his eyes, we would like ourselves a whole lot more. We really would. And most people don't get that. Most people say, you know, if if I could see myself through God's eyes, I'm going to loathe myself. No, because the way he sees us is in his son's perfection. I'm like you. I mean, I have this cycle of sin that just drives me bonkers. And there's times of great despair where I feel like, God, I should be better than this. And there's times that the enemy wants to whisper in my ear, Jeff, you are a loser. You're a pastor and you're behaving this way. You're a dad and a husband and you're, prepared, you're behaving this way. You're a loser. And he's right. On my own I am, but in Christ he's wrong. I say, depart from me. My heavenly father sees me in his son. And his son is no loser. His son is perfect. The debt has been paid. Not only has the debt been paid, but the power has been broken. Christian, we have, by God's grace, we've been given the Holy Spirit. The power of the resurrection has been given to us to live our lives differently, free from sin. The power of sin has been broken. And we're not home yet. We're still going to wrestle with it until we get our home. We're still carrying around this old self and the flesh. But the power of it, God has given us everything we need for godly lives. Do we believe it? Listen, Christian, everything you need in 2006, everything you need for a godly life, God has given to you. The power has been broken. We, by God's help, can rise above it. Let me also say that, you know, I know that sin has consequences. And I know that some of you are living with that. And there's some tension. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to see ourselves in Christ. Okay, the, the debt's been paid. And the power's been broken. But, you know, some of us have messed up pretty big. And, our, and, our, and there's, there's things that our wives, that we've inflicted with our wives, there's some pain that we've caused that they'll need to heal from. Sin still has consequences. I wish I could tell you that, you know what? Not only are you debt-free from sin, not only is the power canceled, but you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's all been a race. Well, in a sense, you are whiter than snow, but you know, sin does have consequences. And some of you are experiencing that. Some of your marriages are really struggling because of some bad decisions you've made. Some of you are in some serious financial dis- situation, difficulty, because of some bad decisions you've made. And there's going to be some work that needs to be done and some healing that needs to take place. But here, get the picture. Who you are in Christ should give you the freedom. My greatest debt's been paid. The power's been broken, and therefore I can heal. And he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. And he'll do it. Not only that, does the past have been forgiven, but the present has meaning. The present has meaning. As Paul says, uh, we now live for Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live in His faith. I live in Christ's faith. I live in Him. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, went to try to discover if life had any meaning apart from God. If he can find happiness in all that life has to offer. The book of Ecclesiastes is a story of a man who went after life in its fullest. Whatever it was, wine, woman, and song, he, produced, he pursued it. But he would say, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Does it really matter? I mean, how many of us woke up this morning and said, 2006, who cares? Does it really matter? 
I mean, is it really going to be any different? Is it the same old saying? Same old Lang Syne? It does matter. Christian, here's why it matters. Listen, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you and I, we are ambassadors of God. We're His children. Not only should that just fill us with joy and awe that we're His, but listen, He's choosing to use us to tell His story. No matter where you are, you may hate your job. Pray for a new one. But while you're there, serve the King. Each one of us, Orangewood, each one of us has a very important job. We're His. We're His ambassadors. Every single one of us has meaning. It's not all vanity. No matter what you do, no matter who you are, a student, a retired, who you are, your life has purpose. Your life has meaning because His life has purpose. And His life has meaning. And He wants to live His life through you as His ambassador to tell His story. 2006, tell His story. The present has meaning. You and I, Christian, you ready for this? We're living for the King. Is there anything better than that? God says, i got something important for you to do. Live for me this year. We were able to stay at the uh, benevolence and help of some friends at a very nice hotel in New York. I mean, it was, it was so fancy. It was so nice. And, you know, I was there. Uh, you know, it was Mr. Jakes, can I get you anything? And it was, it was like I was important. I had him fooled for a few days. But so much more than them calling me Mr. Jakes and feeling important from the staff of the Pierre. God sees us as important. And he sees us of great worth. He's like, I've got something important for you to do. I want you to be my ambassador. Not only has the past been paid, the present has meaning, but the future has hope. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 9, verse 28. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, not having to deal with sin without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await Him. Listen, no matter how good 2006 is, no matter how good 2005 was, no matter how good 2006 is, this is not it. We haven't arrived. No matter what our checking account will say at the end of the year, no matter what our promotions might be, no matter what 2006 has, this is not it. There's more to come. God has promised us that one day we're going to see Him face to face. One day sin will be completely done away with. We won't have the ability to sin anymore. One day we will banquet with God and He will be with us and we will be with Him. One day there will be no more darkness. One day there will be no more tears. We live as people with hope. Eternal hope. Because we're not home yet. But you know what? 2006 is one step closer. It was great coming home yesterday. It was great just being able to be away. But just to get home, I couldn't wait to come home. And that's the journey that we're on. We're on a journey. We're sojourners, Christians. This is not it. We're, we're, we're heading to the place where we're going to see Him face to face. And the great thing is, is when we get home, listen, the door is going to be open. I might not be able to open up airline doors. And I certainly can't open up heaven's door. But God's Son did. The Ancient of Days has come, ascended the hill, and opened up heaven's door to all of us saying, Come home. Come home and sup with me. The King of glory has entered through, and we too can enter through. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that this year has meaning because once and for all, once and for all, Jesus has dealt with sin. He's paid the debt. We don't have to carry it around anymore.
We don't have to. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has yet to come to Jesus as Savior, may today be the day where they get rid of that debt and they find new life in Christ. Father, for each one of us that by Your grace is Yours, may we live 2006 as Your ambassadors because it has meaning, it has purpose. No matter what we're doing, it has meaning because we're Yours and we're living for the King. And no matter how dark it is around us right now, we always have hope in You. And may we live in that reality for Your glory. God, may 2006 be the greatest year ever. God, I thank You for the year because I know one thing for sure. I'm closer to home. I can't wait to see you. I really miss you. We look forward to seeing you one day face to face. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.